Well, hello, welcome back to Elevate Ordinary. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi. And I'm Teresa Grodi. And we're back with another extraordinary conversation about the ordinary pursuit of truth, goodness, and beauty. Thanks for being here again with us for this. This is the second part of our three-part episode on homeschooling, talking about homeschooling, mindset, education, our experiences. Hopefully they're helpful to you. Dedicating this episode to my mother who, who homeschooled me and showed me that it was possible and also gave Teresa that pretty cool sweater, sweater she's wearing. So there you go, I mom, this one's for you. Appreciate <laughs> all you've done. So, and dad, dad too. Yeah, my parents both contributed to my homeschooling education. And the sweater. And probably. the sweater in, in different ways, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. Yeah, so we talked last time, let me think, where, where we go last time? We talked, we kind of gave a snapshot. I mean, we explained at the beginning that Obviously, our goal here on this episode, these series of episodes, this show, like we're not we're not lecturing you, we're not uh, trying to be the the end all be all. But we're not making as, an argument argument for homeschooling. No, yeah, we're not this trying to make like, the end all be all case here. This is season four, I guess. Yes. <laughs> Whatever we, however we it's, break up. Season. We didn't say it. We declared it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what makes four. season nowadays. Yes. Um, and like, we always kind of just kind of throw it in there like, oh yeah, you know, we homeschool and whatever. We, we unschool or we something we or other, classical education, this, whatever. So we Share decided that at some it. point we just had to bite the bullet and do a homeschooling yeah, episode yeah. or three. And it's bound up. I mean, as you'll, you heard in the last one, you'll hear in this one, like it's bound up a lot with what we talk about m much more frequently in all episodes of our show, it, just in terms of, you know, really, I mean, okay, the show title, Elevate Ordinary. Our show is all about looking at the ordinary aspects of life, bringing them out, having a good conversation about them, to look to find the opportunities that God is is giving you to be a saint, to grow in virtue, to really uh, to build up the treasure that He's He's given you to do. And so, you know, family life, marriage, parenting, uh, schooling, the basic parts of life. A lot of times they're just the things that we kind of muddle through and the real important stuff is out there. And we're saying exactly the opposite. No, this is, this is the meat, you know, your marriage, your family, your family relationships, your culture. Uh, and for us, homeschooling is just this, this way that we were, it's very valuable to us, this way that we're able to uh, live family life, live a life of learning together with our kids that we really value. Cause we're also mm -hmm. lifelong learners I and mean, we're, we're readers, we're talkers. I mean, that, that's, again, really the basis of this show is our our love of gabbing about things that we're passionate about and well, exploring and, together. And our love of our relationship. So homeschooling is a natural extension for us of how much we love to talk to one another, how much we yeah. love to discover, how much we love to learn with each other. Um, you know, yeah. we love analyzing things and pulling apart literature and yeah. all the things and considering life and thinking about virtue and making new habits. So mm -hmm. it's just, it's a nice extension of our marriage. And our hope would be, you know, that even if you're not a homeschooler now, and maybe you don't are planning on becoming one, at least our hope would be that through these episodes, through our experiences, that you'd at least have the, the freedom to know that it's an option for you. Like you could do it if you wanted to, if you decided this it was best for your kids, if your current schooling situation is not working for you, you could do it. It's actually not as hard. It's not as complicated as you think it is. And there's a lot of benefits to be had there, number one. But then also number two, like hopefully, like it just, you can think through your own mindsets in terms of, of your parenting and of what education is and of your family culture and family relationships. So that even if you are, you know, sending your kids to a, to a school, that you're, maybe you have some uh, encouragement and 
pointers that are helpful to you in terms of building your family culture, even in the midst of that. That would be our hope with mm-hmm. those two things. Yeah. yeah. And, and maybe if you had an exposure to homeschooling, like I did, did as a kid, mm-hmm. which was when we talked about truancy in school <laughs> and what would happen if you didn't go to school. Mm. And the, they said, when you, ho- some people homeschool their kids for religious reasons. <laughs> and those kids have to shut their windows during the day so that no one sees that they're home from school or they'll get a call from the truancy officer. And when they go out, they have to wear <laughs> name tags and uniforms. And I was just like, who would do that? That's insane. That really those people are some insane. Places, wow. Well, this is what I was told in the 90s. I'm sure there are some parts of the world where that's a thing. And that's like, well, Germany, I think I actually, I think your mom's generation yeah. dealt with a lot of that stuff. And I think mm. that that's why a lot of people moved out to the country when yeah. they homeschooled. Hmm. Um, whereas like our neighbors are right up in our faces while we're homeschooling all yeah. day. Yeah. And there's no question that our, our kids are home all day. <laughs> like, there's no question about it. It's very loud. Um, yeah. Yeah. So in this episode, yeah. we yeah. wanted to focus on you know, when we were talking about how are we going to do a homeschooling episode? Cause we, we do, we just want to touch on it because we mentioned it and we do it. And I think it's a, it's a thing in people's heads. It's a helpful exercise yeah, in thinking through it and talking through it. Yeah. yeah. And, and I was thinking when I was cooking the other day that like homeschooling is really about three things, fundamental, like a successful supported homeschool. And one is learning your child. Two is learning yourself. Okay. You and your spouse are learning yourselves and three, learning your environment, your own particular environment, mm-hmm. you know, your home life, your, your work obligations, um, what that means for your own culture and your family life, um, and what things are available to you. So learning your environment. And yeah. so those are really the three things for a successful homeschool. Um, everything else is secondary. Curriculum is secondary. Where you do your homeschooling, if you have a cute homeschooling room or if you do it around the kitchen table, um, you know, all of those things, extracurricular activities, sports and stuff, socialization. Um, Sorry. Um, I don't hear that one a lot anymore. We didn't even get one question about socialization because I think that that is a myth that is so far dispelled. It's ridiculous. But I I think when it comes down to just having a successful homeschooling, situation, learning your child, learning yourself and learning your environment. Hmm. So let's start with learning your child. Yeah. Okay. So I, uh, the situation in which this comes up the most for me. Okay. Cause I talk to a ton of moms about homeschooling moms who are curious moms who are upset currently and wish they could just not send their kids to school. Um, parents during the pandemic who are like faced with homeschooling now. and people who are just, you know, having their first kid and they're just not ready to seed. They're realizing that their child is going to go to preschool and kindergarten and that they're just not ready to give up what they're seeing and the interaction that they're having with their child. So this this is like the most common situation I address. And people are like, okay, what do I do? What's the first thing? What does your day look like? What does your curriculum look like? Um, or I'm going to pull my kid Which out of the school. What curriculum should I use for the transition to be good? And a hundred percent of the time, this is not what people want, but this is the answer I give. Hmm. Okay. Un, unschool. Okay. Don't do anything. De-school. Don't do anything. De-school. If you're taking your kid out of the system, if you have a, a, a school system mindset, 
you need to de-school. Okay, you need to just have have nothing on your plate for you and your kid. And you need to, if you got an older kid, ask that kid, what museum do you want to go to? What park do you want to go to? What yeah. thing do you want to go to? And then just have some carefree timelessness with your kid. Could be a week, it could be a month, it could be half a year, you know, and just learn that kid. Yeah. Learn, is, and so this is this yeah. is advice that I give to people. Yeah, this, this is not advice I'm giving to you right now. Sure. Well, this is this is one of those barriers, and we we saw this last year or a few years ago in, during the pandemic when the, there were you know there were school closures and the kids were out of school for a couple of weeks, and and you'd hear commentators in the media like, oh, what's going to happen to the children? They're going to be miss, behind for you know a two few weeks of school, weeks. a month of school. They're going to be forever. they'll never catch up. And like from our perspective, we're like that. that what a ridiculous, you know, because because if you're if if that if you think about education that way, as if that uh, like one day of of sitting in classrooms, you know, or missing a week of that or a few weeks of that is going to like impair your child. Yeah, that's a, a a pretty big intimidating barrier to this idea that you might school your kids at home. But you have to recognize that like no, you can take your kids out of school and you you can take some time. Mm -hmm. Like you know, you're it's not the, the kids are always learning. Mm -hmm. They're constantly learning even when they don't mean to, right? Like, yeah. so, you know, like just, just being in your family, just living family life, just doing activities together. The kids are learning. They're never not learning. Uh, and so you don't have, if you, if you, if you pull back from a formal school system, you don't have to suddenly replace it instantly with another formal structure. You can take time and just let them learn organically and read. And again, as uh, in the topic that we're t talking about right now, get to know them and their learning style and what they're interested in. Like you can take that time and you know what? They're going to be just fine. Yeah. And right. hatred of learning is learned. Yeah, that's good. So point. if you take hatred a kid of learning out, is learned. if yeah. you take a kid out and they like, don't want to do math, I hate math, I hate phonics, I hate, you know, you don't have to, um, like that's learned, right? So if you take time and let the kid explore, mm -hmm. you know, like I, I mentioned, go to a lot of museums or parks or ask them what they want to do. If they mm -hmm. want to go to the skate park, if they want to go to the Pokemon thing. Okay. Even if it's self-directed, mm -hmm. there's plenty of learning that goes on. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're going to say a Pokemon trading card event, they have to interact with other people. They need to be respectful. They're going to have wins and losses in the trading. Negotiate. They need you to, know, they might yeah. have big feelings to overcome. You know, it's like there's never an opportunity that's not. Yeah. They're, they're growing and learning from. And, and I, yeah. So, but learning your child. Mm -hmm. Okay. We were talking about in our last episode that like our bribes are different when it comes to reading for different kids. <laughs> Sorry, our carrot, our carrot that we dangle in front of them structure. to learn to read <laughs> is different from every child because yeah. we've learned our child. Right. Right. And that was, that was a hard learning curve at first to, to go from a child that was highly incentivized with yeah. physical things to a kid who was highly incentivized by praise, mm -hmm. you know, and then, you know, I just assumed because I was motivated by my education, mm -hmm. my, by this lofty goal of education and being president or being something, you know what I mean? Yeah. That every kid was going to be motivated by, motivated by these great ideals, but the reality, some kids are motivated by a half hour of video game time, mm -hmm. you know, or they're motivated by purchasing something, mm -hmm. you know, they, they really want a thing and they want to purchase it. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, so it's, it's like the love languages thing. Like they just, they yeah, really good... touches them. I also want to like, you're going to talking about, you know, again, the, 
a learned hatred of learning or like negative feelings or ideas or mindsets about learning. Those, again, those, those kids don't start with those. That's, those are derived from, and, and oftentimes very unintentionally, just they're, they're having a bad experience of education. And again, that may not be anybody's fault. That just may be just what happened. But again, if, if you are moving towards homeschooling or into that situation, you can take time to try to learn about that like figure out what what's the the mental block here you know what's the what's the pain point here i mean just an example i think for many kids um in in the school system one of the things that makes them hate education is that they just never really learned to read well they learned enough to read a menu and to text back and forth but they don't language is not something that's comfortable and fun and enjoyable to them because they they only learned it enough to be proficient, but not to kind of excel in it. That's one of the reasons that why we talked about last, last time, we really emphasize working on reading as like the sole main thing uh, first in education to get them really, really comfortable mm-hmm. with it. Because once reading is easy and enjoyable, mm-hmm. then everything else, I mean, that's just greasing the groove for yeah. anything else they and, might learn. And there's a lot of fear that's associated with that, mm. especially with like a type A person. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like myself, mm-hmm. I have had to like shut my mouth and like hold on to the chair and be like, yes, child, you can read that fantasy novel for the 40th time. Go right ahead. <laughs> you know, when you've got these, these young kids mm-hmm. who just want to sit all day and read. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to be like, okay, you've read that. You've accomplished it. Let's talk about what it's about. Let's analyze it. And then we're going to move on to the next book in your grade level. Mm-hmm. Okay. And as soon as I start to do that, mm. like they, they, they literally, I've had like, this has happened many times. They hide the book. I don't know where it went. And I guess I have to read this. So for a while, I'm just like, well, no, they need to be punished. They need to this, they need. And yes, if you do something intentional and lying, there's consequences. Okay. But like, is it really worth it to move along this? I don't know, this curriculum I got right. and tell them what they're going to read if all it teaches them at this point in the, these young ages, okay, I'm talking young ages, to hate reading. Yeah. To hate reading time. Oh, I hate sitting on the couch and reading. I hate this book. Right. Like I would rather have them love reading, get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, like we started this thing now where we just like keep their school books kind of <clears> out <throat> or their the, the books I want them to read, like kind of out where the they can see them. And it, yeah, library basket or library shelf. And eventually they do like they get bored and they look and they like pick something out and it's like, okay, we got this book done. Yeah. You know? So instead of keeping a to read list, Mm -hmm. a lot of times I'll keep a list of books read. Yeah. Well, I want to elaborate on that example a little bit too. Again, I think early on we, we decided, you know, we were going to get them reading and then let them lead a lot in terms of what they read. Cause our, our emphasis was more on just getting them reading and making it just 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 part of the air they breathe, mm-hmm. uh, and then be a bit more gentle and slow with, you know, pushing them to read more difficult things. Now we did do that, mm-hmm. and the way the way that I've handled that over the years, one of the things I've done is, for instance, like every day, I think last year we were real strict with this, is that every day they they needed to sit down and read for actually two two half an hours. We kind of worked mm-hmm. up to this over time. But for for most of that time, they could read whatever they wanted as long as it was a chapter type book, like mm-hmm. a non-picture book. And then if I then I would give a couple of books that we'd assigned to them, but those they would just read in small chunks. So they might read one chapter out of this 
my, my oldest son has been reading Peter Kreeft books the last, last couple of years. Um, and that's, that's pushing him a little bit beyond his years, beyond his, you know, his reading level comfortably. So we do it in small chunks at alongside all of his other fun reading. And what's that, what that's resulted in him is it, it slowly accustoms him to a higher reading level, a higher comprehension level. And just, uh, early last year, kind of out of nowhere, he happened to pick up a Sherlock Holmes novel and ended up reading our whole hardbound set of Sherlock Holmes novels. And those are well, you know, th those are hard books. I, mean, I don't think I ever yeah. got through those. You know, so, yeah. so the point is, again, like if you can, if you can do that gently so that reading becomes something that's just easy and enjoyable, you can, you've eliminated one of the big potential barriers to making education um, enjoyable, just something that's just part of life rather than this annoying thing I have to get through. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and the reason we brought up reading in this particular section, learning your children is that you can learn a lot about your children's learning style mm. by just watching what they read and what they gravitate towards. Um, and the books that they, they don't like, you know, and like, well, why didn't you like this one? Or why didn't, you know, like, why did you stop reading this one? Um, so I, there's a lot of you can learn your kids that way. Mm -hmm. um, so another thing, so when, you, when you're watching your child and you have a mind towards virtue, okay? So mm -hmm. we talk about virtues a lot. We have tons of episodes on virtues. So go back through um, and take a look at those, look at those if you're interested. Primary lenses for looking at things in this show. Yeah, yeah. virtues are insanely interesting. As mm -hmm. a non-philosophical person, I thought that they would be so boring, but they are like the, the most accessible self-help anything that, mm. well, cause they're true. Uh, <laughs> they're true and they're good. They're beautiful. So, um, so ultimately education is about growth and virtue. Yeah. So we spend a lot of time thinking, um, what does my child need most right now, yeah. right now, mm -hmm. this week, this month, um, you know, best and you can provide it for them, you yeah. know? So maybe this week, like we have something so exciting coming up at the end of the week and the kids are just like insane. This may not be the best time to like push them, push them, push them on math mm -hmm. or push them on anything formal. This might be the time to get out the science experiments or do some cooking or something like that. Yeah. Um, rather than like everyone's crying, including mom, Yeah. you know, and everybody's standing in a corner has got their heads down on the desk because we can't get through this because yeah. the kids are so excited. You know, it's yeah. Christmas or, you know, um, many to hear, you know, that education really boils down to helping kids grow in virtue. I think a lot of people would generally accept that as just sort of a, a generic truism, but like, let's break open just a little bit of what that means. What, what a virtuous action means is not just that it's prudent and just and courage and temperate, you know, the, the, the traditional lists of virtues, but for something to be virtuous, it also has to be, it has to be something uh, free right? When you're helping someone else grow in virtue, it means you're helping them make free choices to do the good. You know, the, the free choice to stand up to their fears in terms of courage or to, to temper a desire in terms of temperance. Mm -hmm. uh, if it's not free, it's not really virtue. And sometimes it's necessary when you're parenting to, to, to inhibit some freedom, right? Like you put up, you, sometimes you have to put up gates or you have to yank a kid out of, you know, oncoming traffic or whatever. Or but, tell a three-year-old no. <laughs> right. Like that, that's part of parenting. But, but the, the larger and more important goal of parenting is to helping your kids grow in virtue. That is to help them grow in the free habitual ability to choose the good. Mm -hmm. And so what that means practically though, for something like education is that 
you again, you're, you're always in this give and take of trying to understand what's the next right step for this kid, not what's three steps ahead or 10 steps ahead. In other words, pushing them too far, too hard, nor just making it easy, but helping them help. How do you identify what's the right next step for them? Mm-hmm. And so again, like we were talking about reading, like grease that groove with a lot of real fun reading, make it real easy, and then gently give them something that pushes them a little bit further. But you're always trying to help them make that next step. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that just, you know, it's it's more important to have this dialogue and to get to know them and to and to help them take steps that are appropriate to them than it is to help yeah. them adhere to a system that's outside of them. Yeah, and it's amazing because when you learn your kids' likes, dislikes, prejudices even, mm-hmm. um, like we were doing a, a unit study on the kidney, care, the <laughs> renal system the other day. And all the kids loved it. The kids loved it. Um, we had a long conversation about sphincters and the, the brain sphincter uh, connection. And it was great. But they also have this prejudice against our new water filter. They loved the Berkey. We got an AquaTrue and they remind us every day that they liked the Berkey better. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Mom, here's, here's my current list of why this new water <laughs> filter is terrible. I'm going to go back to the old one. As the other one. I have 10 reasons. Go. So yeah. I didn't realize we had to include the children in our choice <laughs> of water a, filters. It's not a conversation we thought we needed to have. Yeah. <laughs> so, but because we were, we were studying the renal system and the filtration of urine, <laughs> like we learned how the AquaTrue worked too. And now yeah. the kids are like super excited and I did it on purpose because they have a prejudice against the AquaTrue. And go. we watched videos on how it works and the different levels of filtration. And we filtered some water and we learned safety tips about touching the filters and things like that. And it was like, it was because I knew my kids. Mm-hmm. No one could have made that lesson for me. Mm-hmm. It's because I know my house. I know my kids. Mm-hmm. And we brought the best out of that And you situation. could have done that lesson at a different time and context and they wouldn't have given a flying rip about it. Mm-hmm. But because you like right now, oh yeah, this is, everyone hates this is a good lesson for right now. Because <laughs> <laughs> everyone hates the water filter, yeah. Yeah, we did not broach the question of whether or not you could put urine in the aqua true and filter it. I'm surprised that didn't come up. <laughs> you dodged a bullet there, babe. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So we'll leave yeah. that to the aqua true specialists. Yeah. Um, so I'm realizing why I'm having such a hard time with these notes. You snuck your notes in there. <laughs> they don't mean anything I'm to pretty, me. <laughs> pretty sneaky. Sorry. Um, so true <laughs> growth, I'm assuming you wrote this, is what is important, not meaningless educational milestones. Yeah. Um, and knowing your child, learning your child, you'll see when they grow. And we have an excellent um, homeschool evaluator. Like you can either, in the state of Ohio, you can either do standardized tests at the end, end of every mm-hmm. year or have... Um, a licensed homeschool evaluator evaluate your kids. And he and his wife homeschooled their uh, seven kids and he's, he's done homeschool evaluations for decades. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, he's, he's really excellent at assessing whether or not this child mm-hmm. has grown in their education over the course of the year and in yeah. all the, the necessary, um, all the next, uh, yeah. Learning your child too also allows you to know when you can drop subjects and pick them up later, Mm. you know? um, And I didn't realize you could do that. I thought you had to do like all seven or however many, nine, eight, whatever, um, required subjects. And then everything on top of them. Well, just all the time, (laughs) like in a, in a block schedule kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, is you can drop subjects and teach them over the course of their life. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So it's it's that in and of itself made homeschooling well, so palatable to me because I yeah. felt like if we're if I'm banging my head up against a wall to try mm-hmm. to get this kid at this age to do this math, yeah, like maybe it's not we take them back a, a book and do remedial math. Maybe mm-hmm. it's just this kid needs to mature. A lot of maturing can happen in four months. Well, in my example of that, we talked last episode about this math curriculum, they really like uh, uh, Life of Fred. And it's it's a lot of reading based. It's a lot of conversational with with this math teacher author, you know, through these stories and introducing these concepts. Um, And a lot of non, not specifically math content comes through these books. Mm -hmm. And there has been a couple of times in the last few years where, we were really just going strong on these math books, you know, like reading through them together, reading them aloud, talking about different concepts, certainly working through the math and, and, and ironing that, that out, but just having great conversations and enjoying it. You know, and then suddenly so there's this question of like, okay, well, we're spending a lot of time on this and I'm not getting as much done on all these other subjects that I want to do. And there were times that I made the conscious choice, you know what, we're, we're going to not worry about that right now because we're deriving so much Mm-hmm. On, on a variety of, of modalities from this math program. We're just going to double down on this and just get, make the, pro, like while we have this momentum, we're just going to get through as much, as much of it as we can. And Dominic, you know, our eldest, he progressed a lot in that program, but not just in math, in, mm-hmm. in lots of other things that were just coming through that. And so mm-hmm. again, that's, that's okay. It, it's um, actually that you, you brought another question. I think, I think maybe the, the full wireless might've talked about this in their episode, but like, it's okay to t- to pick one subject that a kid is really excelling at right now that, that's giving them a lot of confidence. Mm-hmm. That's really like opening up their creativity and their mind and exciting them. And just like doubling down mm-hmm. on that one right now. Yeah. Like it's fine a, to do that. Do that for a few weeks. Just like yeah. get them really confident, really excited about learning. You can always go back to the other stuff. Yeah. For yeah. a long time, Lucy was into maps mm. and she, she went through like first grade through sixth grade. Yeah all of the map workbooks. Like she finished the entire thing within one year because she was just so into maps. And I wasn't going to be like, no kid, you can pick up maps next year right. when it's age appropriate for you. Yes. You know, and then our Cecilia, she's in first grade, second grade. It doesn't, it, it doesn't matter. All the grades are made up and the rules <laughs> yeah. don't matter. You just see our kids, they're like deer in headlights. They like, look at me when someone's like, what grade are you in? They're like, uh, 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 <laughs> danger. Danger. I don't know how to answer this question. Two-ish. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Um, uh, So she's really into handwriting and she's gone through, she's surpassed the other children in their workbooks for the particular curriculum where we get our uh, handwriting books. Like she's passed them because she's just really into handwriting. And I'm not going to say, no, save that for tomorrow. Yeah. If you want to sit at the table for four hours and just do nothing but handwriting, go for it. I'm having a disciplinary problem right now because oftentimes when we're we're dealing with some disobedience or some bad attitudes. My my gentle parenting consequence is to have them do copy work. Like, okay, you're gonna, you're gonna copy 100 words out of the Bible today. Here's your section you gotta do. Um, and Cecilia's like, Dad, I love, I just love doing copy work. I love, I love writing. I love when you give me words. And I'm like, oh, this is not working for you. Thankfully, nope, she stand doesn't. in the corner. She doesn't need a lot of discipline. She's, wait, no, no writing oh, for the rest yeah, of the day. You are not allowed. Yeah. So. Um. So there's a, a couple good books hmm. that I think um, are helpful for learning your child. One of them is, I think it's called The Temperament God Gave Your mm-hmm. Kids. Um, and that was invaluable to me because we got a sanguine choleric for our first kid. And that's like getting punched in the face <laughs> when they're like three. 
With um, love, punch in the face. Well, no, with uh, temper, t- with everything, temper tantrums, biting, spitting passion. in your face, passion, passion. just passion, yeah. passionately happy, passionately angry. Yeah. Um, so that the temperament God gave your kids is is super helpful. helpful you mentioned the that. love languages. Yeah, I know our, our buddy Mark Barnes likes to dig on that. He yeah, likes to make fun of that. But, but I mean, like, it does <laughs> have helpful. some practical applications. Yeah. Like, well, I think the main the main helpful thing that for for this, because as you talked about earlier, is just recognizing that oh. Different people experience love mm-hmm. in different ways or ways that are more meaningful to them. Some mm-hmm. people love to give and receive gifts. That is just not me. Not me. That stresses me the heck yeah. out. I'm just getting gifts stresses me that. out. Giving gifts stresses me but, out. But our our daughter Lucy, she like she mm-hmm. it, like loves trinkets and gifts and making cards and, and like the it's just mm-hmm. a whole whole mindset is that. And so it's helpful because it's just recognizing that sometimes you have to show love or or help to motivate or help to encourage in a way that makes sense to that person even or not if it's shut not shut down their love right, when right. so it's it's helpful like, in what that am I and having to do with this more kid? more uh, com- empathy for the way other people experience <laughs> things <laughs> which is not my strong suit so um yeah, yeah those books were were both helpful yeah, yeah um so number 2 number 2 so learning your child okay. um i'm sure we could talk ramble more about yeah. that but learning yourself to me, this one almost even comes number one, mm-hmm. learning yourself. Kids love to learn. Mm-hmm. They learn and they, you know, mimic and they, like, they can really take control of their education. They're interested. They're passionate. Like, and, and I mean that, like, I don't mean we're letting them take control of their education, <laughs> but like, they, they're just born to learn. They're born to learn and they will. Mm-hmm. But learning yourself, mm-hmm. I guarantee you, I guarantee you the flaws you think you have hmm. are not actually the flaws that you have. And you're going to learn those through parenting. And if you choose homeschooling through homeschooling and they're yeah. going to scare the crap out of you. <laughs> so learning yourself, let's talk about that. Yeah. Break that open for us. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how to start it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you like, so we mentioned the checkout girl earlier. Was it in this episode? Uh, Where I, I like overwhelmed. Episode, yeah. Okay. Well, just that you, you likely, if you're listening to this, have enough education to give oh. your child an elementary education. If you can read, there are homeschool curriculums that will tell you exactly what to say, exactly where to put your finger, and how to teach your kid. Okay, you're capable of teaching your child. Your fears, <laughs> my fears, mm. are like the number one reason I can't mm. teach my child. Okay, or I can't teach my child that particular day, or I'm. It's February and it's not February right now. Yeah. It might be when this airs. The number one reason why I can't homeschool my kid right now in February is because I'm afraid that I'm failing. We're failing. Everyone's going to make fun of me. I'm actually, I thought I was impatient mm-hmm. and I thought I was um, perfectionist, but in reality, I'm just vain and afraid mm-hmm. of what mm-hmm. everyone thinks mm-hmm. about me. And so since we're virtue people, vanity as opposed to pride. So vanity is caring about what other people think of you. A desire to be seen well, Um, to be viewed well. Yeah. And that's very different from perfectionism. Mm -hmm. Perfectionism is a pride thing. It really is like, I need to have this perfect. My kids need to be perfect. Vanity is my kids just embarrassed me at church. Mm -hmm. We don't practice church. We should practice church. We should be at home and the kids should know all the things and they should behave perfectly at church because if 
if not, I'm failing and everybody's going to know I failed and I shouldn't have had this many children. Like this is, this is vanity. Yeah. This is vanity, you know, or like, they're all right. We shouldn't have been open to life and accepted all these children because I can't even sit down and homeschool without someone coming. Like you're, oh, you're, it's yeah. fear. A lot of Catholics are familiar with Dr. Ray Gurendi. Sorry. He talks about, you know, parenting, you know, and one of his things is you're a better parent than you think, you know, the, <laughs> the rash of modern, you know, psychologists and psychoanalysts and people writing books about parenting and the school system have, have given you a lot of this self doubt that, Oh, I, I don't know how to parent him. I, I must be doing it wrong. And I can't, I can't possibly teach my kid. A lot of that you, you have to just recognize are, are the, is this baggage because you, again, you're, you're a better parent than you think you, you're a better educator than you think you can be. Um, and again, as you said, a lot of it comes down to instilled fears in you, and, uh, you know, you know, and, and they might be very vain fears. Like I'm just afraid of people thinking, I'm not a good parent or thinking I'm not a good educator. And it makes you forget that, yeah, but I actually know my kid really well. And I know what level they're at. And I know what, what helps motivate them. I know what, you know, what the, the appropriate next step for is. Mm -hmm. So like, I, I think a lot of people might say something like, I'm afraid my kids will fail in the future. Mm -hmm. I'm afraid. And if you kind of push that, like I push myself a little bit, I'm like, what am I really afraid of? Am I afraid that my child will starve? Well, I'm not afraid of that. Mm -hmm. Am I afraid that like, they're not going to get enough education for them to have a good, stable job and take, no, I'm not really afraid of that either. Yeah. I'm afraid of my child resenting me for the education I gave them <laughs> and not choosing to send them to school. And in the future, they're going to say, mom, you sucked and my education sucked. But first of all, the reality is your kids are going to resent you. I guarantee <laughs> you, your kids will resent you I for <laughs> any number of things. Yeah. Okay. So get prepared for that. They, and they're or, they the may same or they things, won't. But, well, but I mean, it's and like, they're yeah. the same things that we resented our parents for in the yeah. goodness of our hearts when we were like, we're going to be perfect parents. And then you get into parenting and you're like, I totally understand why my mom was swearing like a sailor to get us yeah. out of the house every day. Kids, kids you know? who go to public and real school, they, they never resent their parents. I've definitely seen well, that. So what I'm, well, no, no, no. So that's good. No, that's good. <laughs> because what you're seeing is like, is this fear really something I can control? Mm -hmm. No, my kids are probably going to resent me for something. They're going to misunderstand my good intentions in some way, right? Okay, so that's not really something to be that terribly afraid of. Um, you know, so kind of like push your fears, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. push your fears and then find yourself with your spouse and your faith, okay? With the church, the catechism has awesome sections on family. I think it's 22 something, something um, in there. I had it written down, but not mm -hmm. in this notes. Um and with your spouse and make your mountaintop goals, hmm. okay? And keep those in mind, okay? So mountaintop yeah. goals would be some like asking yourself questions like, um, what do I want my children to become? Mm -hmm. Okay, what do I want my children to become? Okay, I actually wrote down my answer to that. Is that a, Go it's not it. just rhetorical? Yeah. Okay, I'm so curious. my yeah. thought is like, okay, what do I want them to become? I went to a college prep school. And I guarantee you, a lot of the girls who were successful in that school mm -hmm. are unhappy mm. and maybe even vicious people. Okay. So that's not what I, I don't want a perfect best education. I don't want a prep school. I don't want them to go to Harvard mm. necessarily. Okay. I want them to be resilient in their education. I want them to love learning and to think that they can 
look at a goal and say, how do I get to this goal? How do I educate myself to get to this goal? Okay. Mm -hmm. I want that for their education. It's almost like we often dream too small. Yeah. Yeah. Harvard is too small. (laughs) Yeah. We're we're looking at these practical mid-level steps, but we're not really thinking, no, but in in the end, what do I really want for my child, for my marriage, for my family? And if we actually look at those and work backwards, we recognize, mm-hmm. oh, a lot of the things we thought were really important, really necessary, really aren't. And they yeah. might actually be counterproductive. Because in the moment, yeah. it's those things that ground you yeah. and that take you out of, they're going to resent me. Everyone's going to hate me. Everyone's going to think I'm a failure. I'm already a failure. I have already ruined my kids. Okay. Mm-hmm. What takes you out of the moment is, okay, I want to have resilient, lifelong learners. Okay. Yeah. I want my kids to be virtuous. Mm-hmm is like smashing them with this math page right now while they're crying and I'm crying, I'm yelling or whatever. (laughs) Is that going to build virtue? I don't know. Maybe if they, if I just say, we're done with school today, go outside. Like maybe that's even better. And you know, the the 10 second summary, what's virtue? That means people who can make this, who can think and and approach reality and make Mm -hmm. decisions. People who recognize the relationships they live in to God, to spouse, to neighbor, and they they understand those relationships they work within them. People who know what their fears are and have faced their fears. People who know what their desires are and have tempered those desires. That education has to grow them in those or the education in the end won't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, and all that, those ways of just being in life. Yeah. Yeah. I want my kids to be full of joy. Yeah. I don't want my kids to be happy. I want them to be full of joy in their life. I want them to be joyful alone. I want them to be joyful with other people, like just fountains of joy. Okay. I can think of a million days mm-hmm. in in my home life where I have not been a fountain of joy. Mm-hmm. And those are probably days when I should have made a different decision, right? Mm-hmm. Is, again, smashing this curriculum right now, like, is this worth it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry. Good. What you said, able to make free decisions. Mm-hmm. Are they able to make free decisions? Yeah. Are they not like not pressured or enslaved decisions? Are they stable for their spouse, their family, and their community? Like I want a stable child. I don't want a child that's led around by whims or fears, their own fears or their own insecurities. Can I I throw one in there that's connected to the make make decisions? Like I want kids who can stand up for themselves and for Mm -hmm. others. You know, like again, we we have all this concern in our culture today about, um, you know, out in the pop culture about sexual abuse, about the Me Too movement, all these kind of things out there in the world. But so many of our ways of educating children just have them kind of like herded into systems and going with the herd and going with the status quo and going with the fads and styles of the culture. I want kids who can think for themselves mm-hmm. and speak their, speak, you know, think through and, and, and uh, communicate an opinion and stick to it and not mm-hmm. just simply be swayed by yeah. their peers. So. It took me a long time to realize that disagreeableness is not always a bad thing. Yeah. In fact, it's a very good thing. Yeah, you need to be able to um, disagree. We have a very disagreeable child. We may have more, but like in terms of older children, we have a very disagreeable child. And mm-hmm. she is embarrassing to me often. Mm-hmm. Again, that's my vanity. Mm-hmm. But then we have a child who is not disagreeable. Mm-hmm. Very amicable, am- amiable. Agreeable. Agreeable. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Agreeable. Um, and I worry yeah. that she will not be able to stand up for herself when she needs to, or she will not get out of a situation if yeah. she needs to. And so I used to be embarrassed, solely embarrassed by that child and happy with the child who just was quiet and was like, yes, yes, I'll, whatever, mommy, I will clean for you. So you're happy, mommy. You know, and the other kid is like, 
to, to strangers. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> how you doing? Why are you looking at me? Mm-hmm. And you're like, why do you have to be, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I saw that as something really negative mm-hmm. and it made me really self-conscious. Mm-hmm. And there were many days where I was like, she'd be better off at a school because yeah. they would kind of like not whip her out of it. But you know what I mean? Like they would, yeah. they would whitewash her. When I'm caught up in vanity, I get really worried about those things. Mm-hmm. When I'm at my better moments, when I'm really concerned with that child's virtue, mm-hmm. I see those things and I recognize they need to be curbed. But my my orientation is you know, helping them to to funnel that in the right direction. So like with the, the more disagreeable child, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, she and we recognize that she has this, she, she reacts too quickly, she can have out, outbursts, but it, it's helping her focus that energy into good things. And, and we've seen a lot of maturity, a lot of growth in, mm-hmm. in that child of her tempering that self-reflection. Yeah. Um, but she's going to be one who, again, she's going to need to temper that a little bit, but she's going to be one who stands up for herself and for others and who's going to be able to, to, to be strong and speak your mind. The other girl, again, she's had had to be encouraged in encourage, right? Mm-hmm. And to stand up when it's time to to be able to speak clearly and what she likes and dislikes. And we've seen growth in her as well. And that's yeah. again, in, in, in that's that comes from getting to know that child and ourself, setting aside our fears so we can just help that kid grow further in their own kind of journey of virtue. Another way that I have learned myself. So just to put this out there, like when I finally decided I wanted to homeschool. Yeah. Okay. So in the other episode, the first episode we talked about, I think we talked about, I wasn't homeschooled. I came to yeah, it kicking and screaming. Instance. I never wanted to do it. It was the ultimate patriarchy and I was staying home or whatever. I don't know, whatever I thought <laughs> when I was thinking <laughs> it. Um, but I would, when I finally decided and embraced and wanted, wanted with my whole heart, my whole freedom to homeschool, I began sitting down with our kids and having actual panic attacks, panic and anxiety attacks that would like, it would like cause headaches for days. Like, you know, can't breathe. Like I'm, I'm having a panic attack. And I like, I wrestled with God. I was like, God, you changed my heart 180 degrees. Why is this the next, like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Like I've assented to the thing that, uh, that we've discerned that you want for us. Like, and our family, like what is going on? But I was focusing not, I was spending my time focusing not on the present moment with the children, mm-hmm. you know, or with expectations that didn't make any sense, you know? So questions I I had to begin to ask myself mm-hmm. would be like, am I focusing too much on my future and not on the present moment? Mm-hmm. Am I focusing on this child right now? Or am I focusing on how it's going to be another day ruined because I can hear the other kids in the other room. They're getting fussy and they're going to bust out here and they're going to ruin this. Like, am I certain that I have already failed my kids and ruining their future? Or is this workbook page just really boring for this kid today? (laughs) You know, are they too young? And we can try this again in a few months. Am I a horrible teacher or did this kid just not sleep well or ate crappy over the holiday? You know, like I was, I was really focusing on my fears and again, my vanity, (laughs) Like everyone's right. I would say this a lot. Everyone's right. I can't do this. I should just send them to school. I am Mm. the worst person to be around my kids and I can see it. I can see all my flaws on them and I'm the worst. And it was causing me to like, to to have physical reactions of Mm. panic. And what we did was A, you took over homeschooling. That was when you took over homeschooling. Mm. And B, we just took a huge break. And we started doing kind of like unschooling where um, I was just focusing on 
Well, not, they were little, so like Charlotte Mason-ish nature stuff. Like we would just go out to parks. Yeah. We would spend time outside. I was learning the children more. You were taking over certain aspects of the education and keeping them on a schedule and keeping their chores going, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and I took a break to learn myself and how I interact with my children yeah. and kind of begin to recognize the pitfalls. Um, and yeah, I mean, yeah. like... You know, do you remember what, that time? I do. And what, come, what kind of comes to mind in, in a lot of these examples is that like, again, what what is even more important to uh, kind of the foundation of like, what comes even before the formal schooling we do with our kids is the is uh, our family and our family culture. And that, you know, the, the vast majority of the real impact that we have on our kids is not going to be the, the formal schooling we do with them, the workbooks that they do or mm -hmm. they complete and they do a test, whatever. It's going to be our family culture, whether it was, you know, uh, all, all told, whether it was uh, good relationships, love, joy, prayer. You know, forgiveness. All, forgiveness. See, that's another, yeah. I was just thinking of that. Like we've been through a lot of this stuff. And it's easy to look at that, you know, in the moment or even in our example and be like, well, that's, that's pretty messy. I don't know about that, but it's working through that has been this great thing. We, we do it this thing. It builds resiliency in your children. It does. We, we, we do this thing. We pray night prayer together as a family uh, in the evenings um, that if, if, if you know night prayer in the book, in the breviary, um, there's a, a small piece of it where you pause and do an examination of conscience and then you pray the confidio and then you go on with the Psalms and all that. Mm -hmm. Well, we pause during the, uh, the confidio or before the confidio, the examination of conscience. And we say, okay, it's time for apologies. And we go, we don't really go around, but, but, but it's, it's the opportunity for all members of the family to say, Hey, sorry for yelling at you early today, or sorry for taking your toy, you know, mm -hmm. and, they, and they forgive each other. And we have to apologize a lot to yeah. each other and to our kids. <laughs> and that's, that's part of this, this cycle, that, that cycle of doing things together as a family, including education, making lots of mistakes, apologizing for those mistakes, and then working to do better. That again, builds these resilient relationships over time that we all really treasure, you know? Yeah. We had a priest over once and we were doing <laughs> night prayer. And I was like, I'm sorry, kids for yelling at you guys today. And the kids were all like, oh yeah, mom, you yelled like 90 times. You yelled so, that you yelled so, and they all like, they were just like, they were like little bees were, that clung to me, hugging me. Up. Like, we forgive you, mommy. We forgive you. And I'm just like, I mean, they really were like, yeah, 90 Laid times, like really yelled. When, oh yeah, we were leaving the house. That was like, that was so bad. You, you really I did yell at them, didn't you? Mommy. And then Adorable. to hear the little yeah. three-year-olds, the little kids, they remember when they've done bad. Yeah. Like the little one will be like, what, what did David say the other day? He was like. He can barely even uh, talk. Yeah. <laughs> and he, it was something like, I'm sorry. I sorry. took the iPad or something like that. Yeah. Or I'm sorry. I kicked me in the face or something like that, where you're just like, I didn't even know you did that, yeah. but you carried that. He yeah. carried that with him that yeah. day. And for him as a little three-year-old to carry that around, say it out loud and get a hug and a forgiveness, yeah. you know, like it's, it's incredible. And, and so it's, a summary point that I would just yeah. make there is that, you know, family life is always playing the long game, you know, both the long game in this life as well as in eternal life. Um, and there's, there's just, you don't know if you're going to get tomorrow or next year or next decade to build and rebuild your relationships 
with your family, your own father and mother, your siblings, your children. And so like it has to start now. And so again, homeschooling isn't for everybody, but one it's messiness and it, the fact that it puts you in in the in a pressure cooker and and mm. stuff comes out that can be a benefit that messiness yeah. because it 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 forces some of your own baggage out in the open that then you can address and apologize for and repair so that you're building over time you're building the relationship that you want to have with your children and your spouse and your family members mm-hmm. for the rest of your life and afterlife yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um I have this written down. This is not going to be a, a nice uh, transition. Got? Okay. Um, learn, uh, oh no, this is the next section, learning your home environment. Do we mm. want to go there? That's fine. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure we'll, we'll double back to some of these points. But. Uh, go to confession, say, I'm sorry. Um, you probably don't yell any more than I do. <laughs> so we're in this together. Um, so this, like learning your home and your environment is just, it's more of what we've been talking about of like your marriage comes first, you learn each other, you work with each other, you two dream together and set your standards for your household, your hopes for your children, your hopes for their education, whatever you choose, whatever way you choose to education, mm-hmm. educate them. Yeah. Um, you are dreaming together as spouses, you're standing shoulder to shoulder and you're setting the culture for your family and you're working mm-hmm. at the culture and you're working at your habits. Um, and then stepping back from the systems, stepping back from the systems Mm -hmm. and letting your own household develop its own culture and its own church, its own lowercase worship. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so stepping back from the systems, I think is really, really important. Okay. Um, it doesn't mean, and this is, this is just as important as stepping back from the systems, knowing that you can put those systems back in place. Mm. So I think sometimes when people are like, you're going to throw out all the standards and you're just going to do whatever. Well, maybe it takes throwing out the standards, Mm. learning your kids, learning yourself, and then saying, this is a standard I am going to put back into place. This is a system that we are going to step back into Mm -hmm. and see how it goes. Okay. So you can take it one semester at a time. Mm-hmm. All right. Schools will be happy to take your children back. And in fact, it is the public school's job yeah. to take your people children back. Yeah. yeah. I think people think like homeschooling is a full life choice that's going to last forever. And, they, and maybe they won't always, let us come back or we'll yeah. have to come crawling no, back and beg to be let back to into the school system. You no. back. <laughs> They're going to take you back. So if you want to try it for a semester, it is your right. You know, like yeah. you can, you yeah. can take it one semester at a time. You can take it one subject at a time. Mm. You can introduce one subject and just kind of, and see how that system works for you. You know, you don't have to know what curriculum you're going to do the first day of school and carry through it no matter what. In fact, I guarantee you, mm-hmm. you will drop so much money on the perfect curriculum for you and realize a week in that it is absolutely impossible it. for I you to that. teach this to your child. <laughs> okay. And you're just going to have to suck it up that you spent that kind of money Can I, <laughs> and deal with yeah. it. Can I actually want to make a comment? Because I was thinking about this when I was going through our notes before the, the program that, you know, the question might arise like, well, okay, so you're talking about systems over here and the problem with systems, but really in another sense, you're talking about building your own family system mm-hmm. here. I think we, we need to distinguish between a top-down system that 
takes the individual for granted and a system that that builds from the bottom up with the individual as part of it. You know, and that the difference we might say the difference between like uh, again an authoritarian system versus a culture. I mean, a think about what what it means to have a culture. You know, for a culture to develop in in a town or in a country or in a family, that is a that is a system that grows organically by virtue of those relationships over time. Mm -hmm. It's not something can, that can be imposed. In fact, actually, I mean, you discover this as a parent or as a home educator that you can't simply just plop down a system or a curriculum as you're talking about and just and just assume it's going to work and just force mm -hmm. people through it. It doesn't work like that. Your family culture, your traditions, your relationships, they have to be this give and take because your children and your spouse are other free human beings. And so that that what develops out of that is this organic culture rather than merely a system. And so there's a there is a distinction to be made there between systems that take you for granted as just a cog within them mm -hmm. and a system that develops um out of your relationships. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um when when the school shutdowns happened, mm -hmm. there were a lot of parents who were A asking homeschoolers for advice. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that was number one. Um but then number two, just being like, I, I don't, I don't know how to all of a sudden start working from home and schooling my kid on this computer. And it takes so long. And it's like, like, how do I do this? Please homeschool or tell me how to do this. <laughs> Spend an hour and trying to put this worksheet into the internet. Yeah. I know people didn't want to hear this, Yeah. but I was like, just don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. Tell them no. Tell them uh, as long as school is shut down, we're just not doing any of it. Yeah. They're like, but my kid will be behind. They won't be behind. And you know what? I With this level of disruption, they're all just going to do a summary as soon as you get back to school anyway, yeah. you know, because everybody schooled at home just like you and didn't know what the heck was going on <laughs> and how to work the system or make the yeah. dragon blow fire on the math problem that you just accomplished for 30 seconds before you can move on to the next math problem. <laughs> wait, wait, I think I have to install an update just a second. <laughs> so, but what, but that, that confidence wasn't like, I'm sitting here thinking, screw you system. I'm going to make your life hard. It was a healthy, like we pulled back and we were outside of the mm -hmm. system. And therefore you're able to give this advice of like, okay, think about this realistically. If everyone is in the same boat, yeah, you can take a step back. Mm -hmm. You know, your kid will be okay. Yeah, just have them read. Gosh. You know, um, but that was only because I could take a step back from a system. It's similar to like uh, at another point in our life, we decided to be on a single income mm -hmm. at the beginning of our marriage, and we were very poor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that concept, that decision made us very poor. Um, but we also didn't buy a house in a city that we no longer live in, right? So we didn't enter into the system of like mortgage and like home repairs and like all the, all this stuff that would have made it difficult for us to make free actions. Mm. You know, like you needed, you wanted to get your master's. And so we could just up and leave, mm. right? We didn't have to sell our house. We didn't have to worry about a mortgage. We didn't have to worry about quitting a job and finding another job for me. Um, you know, like when you when you take a step back from systems, you can choose when you're going to put them back into your life. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're not just saying, screw you system. Right. You're saying we're taking a step back. Yeah. I'm taking a vacation from my problems, a vacation <laughs> from you system. <laughs> That's what about Bob? Um, I have the what about Bob reference. I'm going to make yeah. a quick Catholic reference that, you know, what we're, what we're <laughs> talking about here is the principle, what Catholic uh, social teaching would call the principle of subsidiarity. Mm -hmm. 
And it's not that there isn't a place for these higher level rungs of society, different levels of system or government or, or society, but it's that it's very easy, especially when there's difficulties in the world, to for the, the lower levels of society, the individual, the marriage, the family, the local community, to cede its power upward. And, it, and it's hard to get that back. And so you, mm-hmm. you always need to, to retain on your level of society the, the power and responsibility that you, that you can that's proper to your level. And again, these, these decisions about you know, having, having freedom in terms of, of, of your living situation, the system that you're involved in, your, the educational system, you have to maintain a healthy sense of, of, of freedom for those. You're not beholden to them. They're beholden to you. They're there to serve you as a citizen, as an individual. And so you, you, you got to kind of keep a healthy, you know, give and take a distance from those so that you can, you can engage in them when they're helpful, but also be able to say, you know, what, we're taking a step back if it's not working for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So we're always troubleshooting our environment. So we're on yeah. learning your environment, your home and your environment and your sure. culture. So sure, we're sure, always sure. troubleshooting. Okay. Yeah. So maybe a homeschooling, like a homeschooling room sounded great. A homeschooling room in the basement with all the perfect things sounded great. But in reality, nobody wants to be in a basement without windows all day. Mm-hmm. So we end up doing just doing it around the kitchen. Yeah. So that was kind yeah. of, you know, like we're troubleshooting, troubleshooting with earplugs, yeah. with headphones, yeah. with seat dividers, you know, to keep kids from <laughs> looking and either. fussing each other, <laughs> you know, individual computers or tablets with headphones when they're doing, you know, foreign languages or Notebooks online things. versus binders. This is a hill which I will die on. Which side are you on? This is what I don't a hill know I will die on. on. Notebooks. Ugh, binders. You can always put it in the binder later, but <laughs> notebook keeps it from getting ripped out and lost in the short term. I think it's just a man-woman thing. <laughs> Might be. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like the point is you can always yeah. troubleshoot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So one of our, our pieces of advice, a lot of times when actually this, this would be in the Q and a later. Mm-hmm. Well, so More we're just always it, troubleshooting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So is this where we want to end this episode? Sure. Well, let's make some summary points here. Again, the, the point, oh, yeah. our, our, our focus on this episode, well, the focus of this whole little mini series, I guess that we're doing here on homeschooling. Again, it's not, this is not the end all be all how to homeschool. There's lots of other great resources, formal resources out there. Our point here is that helping you to, I guess, inviting you into our journey and our thought process so that you can rethink your own uh, mental narratives about education, about your parenting, about your home life. Because in the end, the point is not that you, that you're going to homeschool. Maybe you are, maybe you're not, but like you, you, you could, like you have that option, you have that freedom and you could do a darn good job of it uh, if you thought that was best for your kids. Uh, and then even if you don't, that even around it, you, you still want to, to grasp and hold on to your responsibility and your, your right and, um, and your ability as a parent to be the one who, who uh, evaluates your child and recognizes what the next best step is for them and insists that the systems that they're engaged in are really serving them and that you have the freedom to step back if they're not working right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I mentioned this in the first episode. I just want to mention it again. A lot of times um, when people ask what are great resources for homeschooling, um, I think the absolute best two hours you could possibly spend to learn about this topic (laughs) is called The Secrets of Joe Schooling by Jennifer (laughs) Fulweiler. 
Put that into Google. It's a it's a two hour long podcast. The secrets husband. of yeah. Joe schooling. She's a comedian. It it'll be very entertaining, and they're very rational, logical people. Yeah. Um, it's and very, then a very a, empowering discussion. He's yeah. like, oh yeah, yeah, okay, this isn't as complicated as I was thinking it was. Yeah. yeah. Um, unschooling. Another one is a YouTube video called Unschooling Explained on the channel Norp K N O R P and South Norp and South <laughs> Unschooling. <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me of like when Leslie Nope is drunk. <laughs> um, I love that episode. Do you so, love that episode? That's a great episode. <laughs> um, it's a, it's a snake juice, snork juice. That's what it was. That's, that's, what, it that's was. what it was. Um, <laughs> so it's not just about unschooling. They yeah. really go through their thought process of how they came to hating the idea of, of homeschooling and then seeing how it could be possible and also very helpful for their yeah. family of 11. So, okay. Next part three will be practicals, advice, and Q and A. Yeah. So thank so you. In you the, usually uh, sign off. So you yes. sign off. You're, you're the pro. <laughs> thank you for <laughs> joining us for this episode of Elevate Ordinary. If you check out elevateordinary.com, you can find our past episodes, archives, information about the show. Also, uh, send us an email at elevateordinary at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Um, we'd love to hear your thoughts about schooling, about family culture, about marriage, this stuff. Again, this is a conversation uh, about, you know, all the little ways that we can uh, grab the ordinary, elevate it, uh, recognize God in it, recognize the ways he's inviting us to be the saints that he's created us to be, uh, how to grow in virtue through those little things, those little ordinary aspects mm -hmm. of life. That's what this is about. We'd love to keep having that conversation with you. So we'll see you again next week. Uh, God bless.